Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. phrase intimacy in marriage, honestly, sex isn't the first thing to come to mind. The first thing to come to mind are the times where I feel passionately, sacrificially, and dramatically loved by my husband. For example, Seth and I were in a season of what we called extreme parenting with four kids four and under when he proved his love for me in a way that I will never forget. I wrote this story down when it happened, and I've held on to it over the years as a representation of who I get to spend the rest of my life with. And the truth is that things like this happen a lot. I know that I am blessed. When I walked into parenting, I thought it was just a lot of rule setting and snack fetching and car seat buckling and lots and lots of playing and really what could possibly be so hard about that. But in reality, it was turning out to be a lot of juggling and weighing and committing and debating and worrying and countless sleepless nights. Seth and I had never cared about anything as fiercely as we cared about our kids. It was fierce. And maybe I mentioned it, but there were four of them, four and under, and, well, at the time, things weren't going so well. I was recovering from a delivery, and our toddler had all of a sudden quit sleeping, and he would scream all night if we let him, and I had no answers, and I was on night six of no sleep. And Seth had a three-day conference coming up in California, and he was due to leave in the morning. After six nights of no sleep, the only reason I was upright was because he and I had worked as well as we could as a team, but I was sitting there watching him pack, picturing the next three nights without him, and I could not hold back the tears. I left the room because I didn't want him to feel bad. I sobbed alone on the couch. There was nothing you could do about it. The hotel was paid for, the plane ticket was paid for, the conference fee was paid for, the rental car was paid for, and the time off of work, he had it covered. I laid on the couch and I tried to get it together. It was time to get the big kids from school, but I couldn't. I couldn't get up. I couldn't quit crying. I couldn't walk into their school like that. So I walked into our room where Seth was still packing, and I asked him to please go get the kids at school because I couldn't. He took one look at me, grabbed the keys, and left. When he got back, he went into his study while I fixed everyone a snack, and about ten minutes later, he came and he sat next to me on the couch, put his arm around me, pulled me in close, and said this. I'm not going. Well, that got my attention. I sat straight up. I pushed him away, and I said, absolutely not. I cannot feel guilty in addition to everything else that I'm feeling right now. He ignored me and continued, Babe, it was easy. God made it easy. The flight, we can still have our miles if we use them before August, and the hotel reimbursed. Rental car, reimbursed. Price of the conference, our charity this month. It's a Christian medical conference. And the time off, I just started. I need to be there to answer people's calls, not somebody else. God made this easy. I feel relieved. Really, I do. This is an easy decision for me, and I don't want you to feel bad. Look, I am your husband before I am their dad. 
and I am their dad before I am a doctor. Our family is struggling right now. Our family needs me right now. And that makes me happy. It truly does. I'm not going. And that's that. Now, what do you want to do this weekend? I sobbed, and I bawled, and I snotted, and I did the only thing I could do, and I laid my head on the chest of someone bigger and stronger and safer than I was in that moment. There are stories like these, the big ones that prove how fierce it all is. But more often, so much more often, there are the overwhelming emotions in marriage that you can only swear by and try to express with an I love you. As I expressed my amazement over the course of the weekend, Seth just said simply that he was thankful for the opportunity to let me know that he really means it. The ferocity behind the I love yous. He really, really means it. And that, to me, is real intimacy. And sex? Sex is what comes after. I'm not trying to say sex isn't important, because I know that it is. I know that it is. But first things first, maybe? Or is this a which comes first? The chicken or the egg type of situation? I don't know. But let's get real. Sex is hard while parenting. Things are different. Our bodies are different. Our bodies are healing. We're breastfeeding. We're fatigued. And given the choice of sleep over sex, yes, please. Come on, we've heard all the tips. Schedule it. Get to bed on time. Talk about things other than the children. We know. So what? Because no one talks about this loss, and the challenges are intricate. Our nerves are frayed, and our patience is low, and we're not communicating as effortlessly as we once did to explain things well or to understand each other fully. Instead, there are perfunctory exchanges in the curt language of hectic schedules and a chaotic pace with real-life stressors. With all that comes the little rejections, as simple as shrugging off a kiss or a hug because our thoughts are elsewhere. Initiation, rejection, withdrawal, anger, sarcasm, accusations, expectations. These things matter. This is important. In marriage, how can we force the necessary level of passion and physicality to magically appear? And who is anyone to say to another who doesn't want to have sex, well, you have to? There are no easy answers. For me, when life has become too much and sex has become too little, it has helped me to remember two things. Number one is remembering how much God loves sex. I know, it's a scandal. But the truth is that Scripture talks far more about the pleasures of sex than it does about being fruitful or being one. And speaking of being one, it's an incredible thought, is it not? Two separate beings becoming so bonded, so connected in body, soul, and spirit that God sees them as one rather than two. I can't get my head around it, but when I meditate on the magnitude of that, I know I want in. And I have new motivation to figure it out. And the second thing. It's opening my eyes to love, passionate, sacrificial, dramatic, conference-canceling love. Every now and then there are these defining moments. Something will happen, something will come up that asks us as lovers to prove it, to prove the ferocity of the I love you, you say every day. And it's in those tangible moments, those stories that I can hold on to, that God allows me to see and touch our love for each other instead of just trying to describe these feelings. And what if my only duty is responding to love like that? 
to be adventurous and uninhibited and expressive and sensuous in the face of love like that. That I can do. In this episode, Stephanie and I talk about sex. And there were so many times I wanted to dive deeper or laugh louder or ask more, but it was important to us both to be specific enough to be helpful, but sensitive enough to not offend, since sex can mean so many different things at any given moment to each listener. In this episode, there isn't a get to bed earlier or talk about other things other than the kids, but there is an adjust your attitude and learn about the female orgasm. And every word of it is meant only to honestly address the real sexual concerns of women. From the Song of Songs, how beautiful you are and how pleasing my love with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree, I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. May the wine go straight to my beloved, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my beloved, and his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love. This is my friend Stephanie. We've been friends for 20 years. She is little but lion-hearted, has a surprisingly sassy side, and is frankly one of the bravest people I know. Hi, Steph. Hello. We are sitting in my living room, and it's raining outside, and this is just the perfect day to sit around with one of my best girlfriends and talk about sex. <laughs> of course. Why not? What else could we talk about? <laughs> um, Matt and Seth are probably sweating a little bit right now, right? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> More but, than a little you know, bit. I, I think that I'll probably, once it's all said and done title it something a little bit more polite, like, you know, intimacy and marriage or something, but let's get honest. We're just going to talk about sex. Great. Great. Um, so I knew that I wanted to do this because I feel like depending on how long the girls night is, it's eventually going to get to this topic. This is a theme that is central to our feminine heart and, um, something we want to be better at. Um, so, I knew that I wanted to do this and you were an obvious choice for me. And I feel the reason for that is because in a lot of ways we grew up together, you and me, we were young women together. 
but you were just always so, I don't know, just comfortable with your body, comfortable talking about it, and not in an unholy way. You were just very matter-of-fact in a way that I admired. And I, maybe there's a component of that that was surprising. Um, okay, that makes sense. Because that, def- to me, defines you in so many ways. <laughs> I know a lot of people would agree. <laughs> so maybe well, we admire that in each other. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> I, this this will be good then. But um, anyways, I just, you know, you and I, when we talked about this, however many months ago, the, you know, the idea of doing this, it was important to both of us that we do it well and that we do it responsibly. Um, we both have younger viewers, younger listeners, younger followers. Um, your husband's a youth minister and y'all are so active with your young church. And then um, I have college girl ministry things. And so we wanted to do this in a way that wasn't scandalizing to anybody, um, but also in a way that helped out women that were in our stage of life. By the way, Stephanie is a returning guest to Center Saint Sister. She was episode six, Grief, um, one of our very most listened to episodes. So go check that out. But you and Matt don't just have the normal strains um, of marriage and seeking intimacy, but y'all have had to hurdle some very real life hurdles when it comes to being intimate with one another. And um, and I just admire y'all's commitment to each other and having an intimate marriage. So as you and I, you know, were talking and preparing for this, um, our hopes were that really it kind of meet people where they're at. So if somebody needs to be empowered, then let this empower them. If somebody needs to feel a conviction, then let this be a gentle rebuke. If somebody, um, you know, needs to be healed, that this be a tiny mm-hmm. stepping stone in a, in a, a place for healing. Um, and maybe it might just be finding a me too <laughs> in the midst of our lives, but you can be certain with sex as complicated as it is that when you say the word, we're going to sit down and talk about sex. Everyone immediately has an attachment to the word. So first things first, like where do we start? Where do we start untangling this big ball of mess? Because we've done quite a number with, with sex. Well, for me and my journey, um, I'll just start with my beginnings. You know, I had some unhealthy relationships, uh, both in high school and college, probably more so in high school, and um, definitely more so in high school, that carried with it some scars. I was able to... Um, get to my wedding day without having sex and so was my spouse but the baggage that we both brought in was definitely there um, regardless of feeling like we had at least saved ourselves we we hadn't been um, perfectly chased and we both had some wish we could do overs in that department and um and yet we still got to really figure a lot of this out together. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginning for me was scary to kind of enter into that true, full intimacy. And, you know, we had a few years before we were ready for kids. Uh, for anyone who's familiar, we practice natural family planning. And so 
um, that kind of was a guide for us because we were very um, active certain times in the month mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. not. So it, it created this like kind of, um, you know, time where we were always anticipating each other mm-hmm. because there were times where we were um, refraining because we weren't ready for kids yet. And then when that changed, that changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like being open to life and open to children um, made it kind of more exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Gave it a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be stressful too. It kind of opened up. And I know for a lot of women, the fertility issues that can come with that put a strain on mm-hmm. their intimacy. But um, that's kind of where it started for yeah. me. I think, I think you're right that a, a starting pace, place is a lot of times just um, making sense of our past. And I try to, you know, with young girls, they come to me in relationships and struggling, struggling, struggling with chastity. And that's a, one of my big messages to them is I put a lot of emphasis on my virginity and not near enough emphasis on my purity at their age. And my virginity was this very technical thing with my body, but I was ignoring my mind and my spirit and my soul when it came to matters of the heart and purity. And I think that it's important to know um, because how how creative can an enemy get um, trying to convince you, trying to make this justifiable? Well, you'll probably end up being married. You know, the, the, there's, there's a number of of creative responses that make you think that it's probably not that big of a deal. Well, Eve didn't think eating an apple was that big of a deal either. So we don't get to, to choose which sins we think are harmful and which ones aren't. And his rules are for our freedom. And it feels like a constraint right now. And I get it. This is terrible. This is a terrible thing to have to contend with. It's hard. You know, there was a beautiful gift. And I had a relationship before Matt that, um, was very pure, but he had a saying that he said, you're, the, you're somebody's future wife. Mm-hmm. Whether that's mine or someone mm-hmm. else's, I want to treat you the way I want my wife being treated right now. And Matt just loved that. And, and it, it enabled Matt and I, knowing when we met that we really wanted to remain pure too, keep really clear boundaries mm-hmm. um, that we didn't, we didn't bump into anything. Like mm-hmm. we just, we truly waited. But it was, it was, it was a gift in that department, but, um, but you know, things, once kids come along, it got complicated, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. once we had our first child, like it changed. And, you know, in the yeah. beginning days we were really wrapped up in making it feel romantic and mm-hmm. special and setting it up the stage as far as like candlelight and all that kind of stuff. And then when you're not getting sleep and when you're breastfeeding all day, you don't want anybody touching you anymore. Right, right. Like you're just, you've reached your touch meter at the end of the day. And I've heard it said, and I thought this was really great, that an enemy will do everything he can to get you together intimately before marriage. And then he will do everything he can to keep you apart intimately oh, within marriage. Isn't oh, absolutely. That so it's true. You just got to kick him out of your bedroom, man. You gotta oh, kick the enemy out of your bedroom uh, what, under whatever circumstance, whether it's because he's trying to entice you in or repel you apart. Um, but you know, as as far as you know, our young listeners go, if you are you are learning, we are constantly learning about sex, and sex is one of the most 
openly vulnerable thing you can do. You are completely exposing your whole person to the judgment of another. And if you are using that casually, if you are using this gift that is not yours yet, if you're using it casually or desperately or recreationally, you're using it wrong. And it takes a long time to unlearn that. And so you might think that this is a sin for now and that you can, you know, grab some forgiveness and, and everything's going to be, all, and, you know, and everything's going to be okay. And, and on a large scale, that's true. We have a God who's constantly redeeming things, but, but you will absolutely take it into your marriage and you might be struggling with intimacy issues 10 years in and have to go back and unlearn all of these things or undo a lot of the damage we do as young people. Absolutely. Well, for me, I think things started to get more challenging um, after the loss of our daughter. And then we had two miscarriages in that same year or so. And um, I struggled with when, once I was pregnant, not wanting to be intimate out of total absolute fear. Mm-hmm. We went to some counseling and the counselor even like talked to Matt and mm-hmm. said, is this a realistic fear for her? And he said, absolutely. And she said, so, you know, how would you feel if, you know, after being intimate, y'all lost a child, you know, through a miscarriage? How would you feel? And he said, I would be devastated. And she said, so is it worth it to just kind of take it easy right now? You know, and Mm -hmm. so we kind of did. But then... So your fear of your intimacy leading to a child, which led to a miscarriage, which led to your unbearable pain. Right. Is what you were dealing with. Yeah, no, dealing with, you know, I finally have a baby in my womb. I won't do anything that's Mm -hmm. going to Mm -hmm. um, make that dangerous, you know, or take that life from me. So um, upon the arrival of our son Beckett, so much healing came to have another baby in the house. And um, in the end of that pregnancy was a little bit nerve wracking because it kept feeling like he was coming a little earlier than he was supposed to, but it was fine. Um, but uh, later, we just we just kind of got into a rough spot, and it it was it was a spot where I was rejecting my husband, and I didn't. We've never talked about a duty like mm-hmm. I know in a lot of circles, you know, it's it's your wifely duty and we've we've always aspired to recognize the theology of the body where a man and a woman their bodies speak a language that only their bodies speak and they need to work together to achieve that intimacy and and that it's you know part of your sacramental marriage and I was just in this place of not feeling either desirable or just I can't really put my there was a lot of stuff I was working on. Maybe it was my grief. Maybe it was some of my past, but I just, I was just not inspired and my husband was feeling rejected. And he finally just said, look, I'm going to, I'm just going to stop like, um, pursuing that with you until you tell me you're ready. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't in an angry way. And there were times where he was frustrated, but at that moment he was just being patient and um, I had some time to reflect. And um, during that time, I remember hearing um, about how in order for a woman to experience total fulfillment, if, if I dare say through like an orgasm, she has to, I mean, sometimes work on that. 
And if she doesn't know that she's achieving that, it's not something that's going to just happen later. Like if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. Mm. And I started wondering if I really had ever fully experienced that in our intimacy. Um, Because having been a a virgin, like it just felt like everything was exciting. Mm. But I never knew if I had reached that place of orgasm? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, yeah. I, I felt like maybe, but it was kind of an uncertain thing. And so um, I just decided, look, I want to make sure that I experienced that. And it required my husband. <laughs> and, Indeed. And I let him know. And sure he, was, he was a very willing participant. <laughs> and so it kind of turned a page for us as far as like... No, hold on. Is this app on the heels of your kind of dealing with this deep, dark, sexual slump? It was this... Yes. Okay. Yes. Like we were just... I mean, it was grief mixed up with... Sure. Just babies and... Sure. You know, it was just... It's a messy time of life. Yeah. And, um, And I also feel like I had that like early marriage expectations of like... um wanting the romance and him not setting the stage. And we actually read a book called For Better Forever. And um, that book was a, a big piece of this turning point too because one of the things they talk about in the book is if you are desiring something of your spouse, that you should make that happen. So in other words, like if you want romance, don't wait around. Be romantic. Be romantic. If you yeah. feel like you need a you know, a, a, set, a set stage for this experience, set. you do the one. Because your spouse obviously doesn't. Yeah. But you both do need intimacy yeah. somehow. Yeah. And so that really, I was like, oh, I'm expecting something from him instead mm-hmm. of just. And so it, it really kind of freed me and him mm-hmm. to just look, get back to the basics of what what yeah. we want to achieve in our intimacy, which is being close and and feeling that fulfillment together completely I have to like we are getting so because what I hear you saying there are so many components to what you're saying first of all you're experiencing life as it's truly happening with which is fast and furious and sad and (laughs) all the things right okay so and then there's this kind of lack of desire happening like can we get an amen a lot of women feel this way right okay but then you're saying, I want to be different. I want to figure this out. I want to be different. I don't know what's going on. Then you read a book. I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I am going to, because I feel like a lot of times we can, we have, we have all the life happening and the lack of desire happening. And then there's kind of this bad attitude regarding it where I'm just kind of done with that now, except we can't be done with that now because we're married and it's so important and sex is unitive and restorative. How many times after a night of sex with your husband do you wake up the next day and the birds are singing a little sweeter? (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, like it matters, it changes things. And so you took matters into your own hands, read a book, decided to kind of get some of your needs on your own with setting a stage or whatever, and then diving into the female orgasm. Like, let's not just, you know, (laughs) make this not sound like a big deal. These are amazing things to be responsible for. We're responsible. That's so great. When you put it that way, it sounds pretty awesome. It is. It was, it was monumental for us. And, um, I definitely, found my place in all of that 
after and the piece that has come is that we we feel like in that department in our life we're super comfortable and while it's not something that we focus on like happening in a frequency it's it's the realization of that when we get to it is super fulfilling mm-hmm. and I'm the one that's always like, oh, yeah, 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 tonight's, tonight, you know, like, yeah. send the crazy emoji, you know, like, <laughs> in the middle of the day, oh, you that. know, and just, you know, when it's time to put the kids to bed and he's dilly-dallying and I'm like, you remember, tonight is one of our nights and all of a sudden the kids are in bed a little quicker uh-huh, than, uh-huh. than before. Or Oh, my gosh. I have so many things to say about this. We're not going to have near enough time. Okay, but so... First of all, I think that it's really important when you sense that bad attitude within yourself to ask why. What's my bad attitude around sex? Am I, do I need to heal something in my past? Am I angry with my husband for some unresolved thing? Am I upset about the state my body's in? Like, so let's, let's name it so that we can then kind of, you, well, that's what you did. You stopped and you named it, and then you took charge of what that answer to why was. I think that's a great starting point for women. And ultimately, I, I'm a visionary. Like I look to the way the picture far away, and I've seen couples in their 60s or 70s that I want to emulate. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and ultimately, I re- realize that like our intimacy was not on the path to that. It didn't align Mm. with where I wanted to see myself. Mm -hmm. And so something had to be adjusted. Mm -hmm. And so you, and I'm not, I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to start from the beginning. I'm not going to repeat what you told me that was fascinating to me about your sex life because it was an intimate detail between friends. Okay. So I'm not going to say it. I'm not. But you said something to me specifically about your sex life that was fascinating to me and um, just kind of sealed the deal that you were the person I wanted to talk to about this. But I want, uh, the reason that I even mention it at all without telling you, I know it's so rude without (laughs) divulging what it was, um, is because I want our listeners to know that you are a good source of sassiness. So what are some ideas you have that are, you know, realistic to the average listener about ways that you can be exciting or spice it up. Creativity might be leading him by the hand into the bedroom and saying it's been too long. It might be being really communicative during, during sex and giving compliments. I think that there are a lot of things to do that are probably just outside our comfort zone, but are probably really, really worth it. You mentioned a crazy emoji in the middle of the day. Right. That's a simple thing, no, right? We can I all think, do that. You know, a recent story that I've shared is, you know, our kid, and it wasn't a night that um, we were going to be able to partake fully in an intimate experience, but we put our kids to bed and we, um, we, t- we had a bath and wine and I put my essential oils on and, of course... The children were not quite asleep yet, and they um, marched on downstairs and knocked on the door. No, no, and no, 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 they knocked. And knocked, and then peeked the door open. It was the nine-year-old and the seven-year-old uh-huh, who were uh-huh. like, 
what, what are y'all is doing here? <laughs> and the little girl, are y'all having a date? Yes, this is a date. Absolutely. That's awesome. Now, the 11-year-old that was upstairs was a little bit traumatized when he heard about what was going on and wanted to clarify what Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. happening later. But, but, you know, just we really committed to, like, you have to set your life up in order to have time to yourself. Mm. And, like... You have to, you have to set that time and like create the expectation, and our expectations don't involve candles or rose right. petals. Or, now right. we have access to those things, yeah. and not to say we haven't, but like, um, well, sometimes there's toast and sometimes there's French toast. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like one for us kind of leads to another. It's like tonight's a toast night, babe. Like you know, <laughs> but when I have. In, in our rhythm, when I have the French toast nights, it makes the plain toast, like, fine. It doesn't, not every time needs to rock no. the surface no. and of the earth. Ultimately, I mean, that's the other thing. My husband and I have been fulfilled very much on time together many times. And mm-hmm. that experience alone makes you feel so connected that you yearn to do it again. And sure. I, I didn't have that before. I didn't have that that same, like, recognition of I wasn't experiencing that. Right. And and maybe that was ignorance or naive right. or whatever, but, like, yeah. it, it changed things for me. So having an orgasm together, knowing that that is possible, just kind of sets the tone for future lovemaking sessions where you're like, this is at our disposal. And so what a, what a goal, what a gift on the nights that, you know, kind of do, cause for me, it is so much of a mind thing. Mm-hmm. And I, no. I think that, you know, <laughs> Seth will be so pleased in our early marriage. He like thought he could spray the cologne and it was like a magic potion, like, and all of the sudden, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, for me, it is that morning text. Um, it is the flirtation all day long. It is the cologne from across the table, honey, all day wow. during dinner, not and just before like, we hop into bed. Like a therapist shared with me, women are crockpots mm-hmm. and men are microwaves. Mm-hmm. So, like, I had to give myself freedom to just sit back and relax and enjoy getting there. Yeah, like, right. not feeling the desire so much to get him there mm-hmm. rather than waiting patiently and experiencing it together like which I think as women it's it's easier to just I mean I can't tell you how many times I know women that are just like I just want to make sure he's satisfied on Saturday night and I get to sleep in on Sunday morning that would not make me happy you know I feel like we have these generational ideas about, you know, men are the ones who are working or discussing politics and enjoying sex and women are kind of at home in the kitchen and being agreeable and they're tolerating sex. And I think that as we try to figure out what different but equal means, um, and as we try to figure out, you know, what feminine genius means, um, all I know is that I see among my circle of friends, this demand for equality and it's equal pay it's equal respect and it's equal orgasm so this isn't you know like 
this well is you know let's just get you happy so that i can sleep in on sunday that just that is a would be a sad and unfulfilling sexual situation for me so equal but different and you know we are so different and men's orgasms seem so instinctual and ours seems so learned you know but giving your you know you mentioned time like giving yourself time and then really you know educating yourself on it and um you know really kind of setting aside that concentrated effort like husband i need to figure this out and you're going to be the one to help me do it <laughs> no and it was i mean he he's obviously very squeamish about me talking about this <laughs> um but yet um it it was such a just black hole in our marriage for a while that it was like, you know, we we just didn't we didn't really want to talk about it. Sure. I didn't want to talk about sure. it. It's painful. And um I can't I can't take away either of the Holy Spirit's place in all of this. Like mm. at some point I know I had to, you know, expose myself to my creator to allow mm. him to heal and to to get me through all this, you know, because I think, and, and I'm not dealing with anything extreme. I mean, I'm dealing with some bad decisions of high school amidst being upset about losing a child, which is a huge thing, but it wasn't an assault against me, which I know some women have huge healings to experience. And I can't, I can't even imagine how that plays into their marriages. And I'm, I feel really um, saddened and burdened to um, bring them hope and um, challenge them to just keep seeking yes. God's God's place. Yes, for all that. divine healing, divine healing. Because our human wisdom, and, and specifically, I mean, in this episode, I mean yours and mine. You know, this is our our humble offering into a terribly complicated situation that doesn't mean the same things for us that it does for someone who has been wounded and hurt and um, abused by sex and by people who have misused it. And um, we actually, as you and I, I, we, I was tearful in the car thinking about um, just this topic alone and how um, painful pasts can be and how confusing present can be, but we have the hope of a future for that divine healing and a God who redeems, redeems, redeems. So our hearts go out to those people and we are so prayerful um, for you, but God desperately wants you to be in a loving and healing and beautiful, loving sexual relationship with your husband. And we are so prayerful for that. Um, I think, you know, as we were talking kind of casually about spicing things up for maybe the person who's kind of sexually healthy right now, you mentioned like fragrance or, you know, setting, you know, music or um, things like that. But I think, and I don't want to step into territory that isn't mine, but when I think about um, people who have experienced abuse, what about that? What about fragrance? What about adding something so completely different to that experience, you know, replacing sounds, replacing images, replacing smells, replacing all of those things. I mean, maybe that could be healing too, not just fun and sassy, but, but healing. Um, so here's the deal. We are such different creatures, men and women. So when you take those things into account and then you throw in personality differences, 
or attitudes about sex differences or the ways that we were raised or and then you you know throw in parental duties and hectic pace of life and then both of us to feel feel amorous all at the same time I mean, it's really kind of a miracle sex happens at all. <laughs> so um, any tips for getting it done? Well, I mean, truthfully for us, we still practicing natural family planning. And on the other side of that is like we have, you know, we're, we have four children, um, three in heaven, four on earth. And um, while we would allow God to bring another one into our life, we are very content with our family right now and not aiming to achieve but like we we make sure that we're kind of on schedule like I don't miss we don't miss an opportunity mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. if necessary um now even if it's french toast versus or even if it's plain toast versus right french toast? Yeah, yeah no okay. I mean we just really <laughs> make sure that um those nights are sacred and you know too sacramentally I mean it's it's like receiving you know a, a special grace mm-hmm. by coming together in union mm-hmm. and it's just it's just amazing yeah. um what it can do just for attitudes mm-hmm. and yes. keeping things in perspective no if sex if, if sex and i <laughs> if seth and i are grumpy with each other we we just we need to have sex <laughs> And then, and it's amazing how one thing leads to another, if you will, and I will, it, you know, it's like the, the plain toast leads to the French toast. And then the, because of the French toast, like we can have plain toast the next cup and, you know, and it's, and it is, it's just, it's a, sometimes it's a matter of just making it happen. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's those values. And, you know, if you were to line up what are important, important in your life, making the time just like. You make time for prayer. Yeah, you know? right, right. I right. mean, you have to make make the time, make it a priority. Um, but for me, I feel like we've just been so consistent for so long that it's like we miss, you know, if he's been out of town during that mm-hmm. time of the month, mm-hmm. we're bummed, you know? Yeah. And so um, absence makes the heart go fonder. And it, mm-hmm. it really, even those absences mm-hmm. are so good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't feel like, um, there's no expectation that it needs to be happening so many times a month or how many days in a row or this, it's, it has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with the quality of that time mm-hmm. when we get to, and mm-hmm. just knowing that we're both looking out for those, for mm-hmm. those opportunities. Such good aspirations. Okay. There's two things I want to hit before we're done. And I, I have so many things to talk to you about. So, um, I think that it can be difficult to use our bodies to please our husbands when we don't feel sexy. What do you have to say to women who just don't feel sexy? Hmm. While you think, because I I knew this question was coming and you didn't. So while you think, I want to... I was at a music festival once. There were these belly dancers. And they were not going to be gracing the covers of any magazines on the shelves. And yet, they danced around this fire with such playfulness and delight and confidence. You watched them and they were by far the most beautiful women Hmm. on the whole grounds. They were so 
No, I think I think you're right. I think it's just a decision and confidence in who you are to your spouse and knowing that you are the only person on the planet able to connect with that person in that way and to have confidence in that through all the stages. I mean, with post-pregnancy, all that stuff, and I mean, there's been times definitely you, you just don't feel as attractive and you know, find something you feel attractive in mm-hmm. to be the starting mm-hmm. ground. <laughs> or even start with your hair. Right. You know, like I have great hair. I'm going to have a great hair day, you know, right. but just something that, that pleases. And again, you know, bringing in smell or whatever it is that makes you feel, it might be something kind of detached from your right. actual body, but it ignites something in you that's exciting. Right. Or that box of things from your bachelorette that you just don't bring out very often. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't have all those items. And so I think somewhere in my 30s, my friends threw me a lingerie shower from no. church. Yes. Uh-uh. That's awesome. <laughs> it was I'm very exciting for Matt at that time. <laughs> Why wasn't I invited? Um, I love it. So, um, and the other thing is, is that I feel, I know a lot of people like this, and I have certainly felt like this at times. Um, I, I feel like the, the standard go-to, um, we're all going to sit around and complain about sex, is that, which is boring and lame, but it is, my husband is hounding me for sex all the time. And I know so many women who that that message is um, even more hurtful to because that is not their situation. They, in fact, um, are longing for their husbands to hound them. So um, I would I would like to address that in this episode that just just to give a me too um, and a voice to that that it is not everyone's experience and and I know this from my friends more than one ladies like y'all are not alone no and I've I, I've heard this too and I think um, that once again reading a book together doing something I mean there's marriage retreats there's um, spiritual direction mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ways and and sometimes it's just figuring out how that other person's cup needs to be filled, mm-hmm. like their love language, mm-hmm. or um, if there's something that they're really struggling with. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it's nothing detrimental to the marriage, mm-hmm. but to hone in on that because mm-hmm. it's not going to, in my opinion, it's just not going to get better unless it gets addressed. Right. Like, Like you want it to be something that you're – nourishing in your marriage and that's one you know comparison I've heard is that like you can look at sex like flowers artificial flowers from far away look just the same as real flowers but real flowers take nurturing and they have some delicate they're delicate and they're Mm -hmm. fragile Mm -hmm. and they draw life to them from bees and other things and it's just it's different from artificial flower and we want that nourished experience. We don't want something artificial and just looks like it's a great thing. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Let's end there because that's awesome. Thank you, Stephanie, for your willingness and your openness to have girl talk with me and whoever might be listening. Let's just, I don't know, embrace our fearfully and wonderfully made bodies and um, use them as um, the vessels that we were created to be to 
um, love and nurture our families and um, dive deep into intimacy. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you too. And now a word from our sponsors, Miles of Grace Realty. Are you buying a home, selling your home, or investing in real estate? Jenny Murphy with Miles of Grace Realty does more than get the job done for a great price. With her experience, attention to detail, and genuine passion for helping others, you will see that Miles of Grace Realty really does go the extra mile. Here's a review from a pleased client. We cannot say enough good things about Jenny Murphy at Miles of Grace. She was literally an answer to our prayers. She led us through the complicated maze that is real estate and even prayed with us along the way. She has been such a blessing to our family and we would recommend her services to anyone. That's Miles of Grace Realty, 979-229-5541, www.milesofgracerealty.com. And Empower Fitness. Empower Fitness is a functional fitness gym that teaches people how to move properly and encourages and inspires and motivates its members to reach any goal they set their minds to. Exciting classes in a supportive environment. You can even come and do yoga with yours truly. Check out their website at www.empowerfitness.org for more information. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi to the beefy beef beef. Hey there. So um, this episode's about marriage, which is Maybe my favorite topic. Smoochy poochie. I love being married. <laughs> um, so how did you know that, you know, for me, there's a couple of very defining moments where I was positive. I loved this person mm-hmm. and I was positive. He loved me. Do mm-hmm. you have like a marker? Did anything? Yes. hundred yes. percent. So, and it's actually... It went both ways. Like, I knew he loved me, and I knew I loved him. But we were dating, and, like, Sadly, even... mine happened after marriage. I, don't, <laughs> I married him before. It. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we weren't even, like, super deep into dating. But we, we had a big group of friends that went snow skiing. And it was, I think... Well, I'm 100% sure it was my first time to go skiing. And so, I, as you well know, I am not the most athletic. And skiing was really hard for me. And um, it was real cold. And I was real uncomfortable. And we... Mike is, like, a great athlete and can do everything pretty well. And so, he could totally do, like, blacks. And he didn't get to go skiing that much and was super excited about it. Well, then introduced me to the mix of his skiing trip. And... um He's like zooming around and I kept finding myself sprawled out on my back looking up at the clouds and I would just pick up a pole if I could reach it or maybe just my hand and just wave it wildly. 
Like, couldn't even trouble myself to, like, lift my head out of the snow because I was so tired and I was falling more than I was skiing. (laughs) So I would just, like, wait for him to stop and come and rescue me over and over and over again. And he, it sounds like I'm making it up, but he never got annoyed. I mean, snowing, I mean, skiing's stressful, right? Like, you kind of, you can't help but kind of cuss a little bit. And he never did. Like, he would come and get me and help me put my shoe on. Like, I couldn't even figure that out because my fingers are cold. apparel everywhere. it was my worst (laughs) self. And he was so loving. And I can remember thinking, like, this guy's all in and this attitude he has and this love and this patience will play out in every thing that I could possibly um experience with him in life as Uh far as parenting and just finances or you know whatever like what could life throw us that would be more complicated than this very (laughs) moment when I can't sit up I I can't remember distinctly yeah exactly but that was it that was it oh that's great um So mine, the way that I knew I loved him in this very deep, meaningful way, we had been married probably about four years or so. (laughs) (laughs) Wishy-washy until then. Um, But we, he was in residency and so he had spent a night overnight on call and I guess there was a lull in patience or whatever. And so he had gotten online and he had looked up this diaconate program. So to be a deacon for mm-hmm. our church. And he was just reading about it. He was just curious. And so the next morning, telling me about his night and he was telling me about what it would require to be a deacon. And one of the requirements or one of the aspects of it is that um, if you're married when you're a deacon, then if your wife were to pass away, you don't get remarried. Mm. And he was kind of looking at me expectantly, like he was kind of smiling, um, kind of the way that, like, that he thought that would not please me, but like, I couldn't get me married, you know, like he was kind of saying it like that. And I had this like, huh, and then I had this, ah, like it was just this sinking feeling of thinking of me gone and him alone Mm -hmm. and potentially interested in someone or or even in love and it broke my heart and these tears immediate tears like sprang to my eyes with the thought that thought and I was that like oh my gosh I really love love you (laughs) and just just this very new deep way okay here's a question from the listener sorry that was long here we go awesome uh this listener she write the subject was ho-hum marriage I know (laughs) no 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 there's always hope he makes things new he makes things new all the time um the question is this it's very simple does romance really have to die no yes (laughs) okay okay i mean maybe we have to redefine it a little bit okay well it's a yes and no 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 okay i say it's a yes romance has to die because here's the thing if you are waiting to feel all lovey-dovey at the exact same moment right, with right, a busy right. life, it's not going to happen. Truth. It's not going to happen. So why do you say no? Well, I mean, there's you just got to change it up and be flexible. This is true. But sometimes you got to calendar it. But it yeah. still can happen. Schedule. Yeah. Sometimes you got to have a lunch date because ain't nobody got enough money to pay a babysitter. <laughs> or... Um, you're not going to respond to me saying nooner? Oh, I <laughs> Okay. You could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that, yeah, no, you're right. But, um, so scheduling it, which is kind of why I think, yeah, I mean, it takes yeah, the romance that's out of not it, romantic. which is why. I, but if but you scheduling can, it. You've got to commit to it and be honest about it and then 
shelf all the expectations of being 22 mm-hmm. and know that this is the mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, so I think day dates are good. Yes. Day dates. Um, actually scheduling something, which, you know, I think we tend to buck that because it doesn't seem romantic, but right. who cares? Do it. Right. Like, and here's the truth. Whenever you um, experience the romance, <laughs> when whichever way you choose to do that, it's always fantastic in the end, right? Yes. Like sometimes it's a little awkward getting it going, yes. whether it be a day date, a nooner, or whatevs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right? It's always no, worth you're it. Always glad so you've you got to kind yeah. of practice that and yeah. believe it. And then. No, it's true. It's totally true. Mm. Another way that you recently taught me to keep the romance alive, which I'm not sure how I feel about sharing with the world, but um, recently she was spending the night at my house and she asked me if she could borrow my deodorant. Oh my gosh, this is so bad. Yes. <laughs> and I said, sure, it's under the sink. And she came So I'm back. looking under the sink. I'm looking and looking she's and looking like, for deodorant. She's like, you don't have any. There's no deodorant. I'm like, yeah, I do. It's in blue. And she's like, it's only men's deodorant. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we share. And she's horrified, and I'm a little horrified now, but I wasn't horrified because I had never thought about it, y'all. Years and years and years, we've shared deodorant, and my baby Friends, told we me- we are one, but we should not be one. You got to separate out the toiletries, I beef. smell like a man, and I thought maybe it was a little bit romantic that I'm drawn to his scent or something, but she has mm-hmm. told me it is not okay, and so I have bought my very own girl secret, and I have been wearing perfume. Mm-hmm. Mike Amorous. thanks you. <laughs> Mike thanks you. <laughs> That's spontaneously amorous. All right, signing off. Love you, beef. Bye. Lubella's my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubella win the internet day after day. Love is a word that gets thrown around a lot, and goodness knows, in a world sometimes filled with turmoil and ugly words, I encourage saying love as much as one possibly can. I am the worst offender. I love carbs. I love Idris Elba. I love two o'clock car naps on a Wednesday afternoon. I literally love Justin Verlander. But every once in a while, the big man above reminds us what unconditional, absolutely overwhelming, this is it love. I get to see it a lot through my job, my moments at Sweets of Hope, through my family and friends. This morning, love hit me like a Mack truck. With such force, I was jolted and have yet to really recover. Four mornings in the past week, my husband has laced up his running shoes, stretched the same way he has since he was 14, and started jogging down our driveway. Four mornings this week, after two minutes, he has returned home, disheartened, frustrated, and completely at a loss. His 40-year-old knees have been giving him trouble, and he feared after tens of thousands of miles that they were done. He has taken it in stride pun intended, and figured out another way to get his daily workout in. Many of you know him, but if you don't, the way you and I need to breathe, my husband needs to run. When I blast Beyonce during my morning waddle, he ponders life and gives thanks. It is actually a beautiful thing to watch. This morning, he tried one more time. As he left, he shrugged his shoulders, smiled a bit, and said, if it doesn't work, 
I guess it's just time to hang up the shoes. That's when it happened. The word we throw around like a World Series baseball hit me like a bolt of lightning. I closed my eyes and prayed. Prayed to whomever was listening. I love this man so much, I will give him my knees. As absurd and ridiculous as that sounds, he can have my knees. I will never skip, jog, waddle, dance again if you will let him run for the rest of his life. This love, this love was protective, pleading, and made my heart sore and hurt at the same time. I begged, please let him be happy. I sat at the foot of my stairs like a golden retriever, watched the front door and waited, and counted. One minute. Two minutes. I half smiled. Five minutes. Six minutes. I took a deep breath and whispered thanks. Seven minutes. Eight minutes. I inner squealed and more praise. Ten minutes. I knew my husband was off. I could see him crossing Westcott and making a left on Crestwood to his beloved park. I started to cry and looked up to the heavens and said, thank you. My parent friends have told me moments they wanted to take the hurt away from their children. I remember a few times in my childhood, I know my mom and dad would have put themselves in my shoes so I could heal from a tumble, both falling on the sidewalk or falling in love. I am sure I felt love like this before in the 20 plus years I have been with my husband. But this morning, I would have taken my under, under, undeserved healthy kneecaps and given it to him in a second. I am grateful that he is running, running right now on his knees, his battered and dedicated knees that he cares for, and I'm pretty sure he talks to as if to say, we'll get through this together. It has been 40 minutes and nothing on this planet could make me happier than him out there on this glorious Houston morning running down Memorial Drive. Love is truly love. Today, spread it. What a perfect way to start the week. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. My heart is like a broken plate, but the pieces are too small to ever figure out how to put it back together. I feel pathetic because one day I'm begging my husband to move on without me so I can quit analyzing the loneliness in his eyes, so I can quit feeling so guilty. But then another day, I'm asking why he doesn't send me in more pictures or miss me as much as I think he should. I'm impossible. And the pictures he sends, I look at them less and less. I love my husband too much to be so selfish, but every day I need him more and more. I don't know why he stays, especially when I beg him to go. What do I possibly have to offer besides heartache? I have been here nine years. We had been married 35 years before I got locked up. All I want is the time I've cost us. God, could you please afford me that? I know you can do anything. Please, God, just that. Amazing. 
sweet the sound. Dear God, our sexuality is so deep and so personal, but we are fully known and fully loved by you, God. Chances are, whether by our own actions or the actions of others, we have a skewed and worldly distortion of sex. Restore us, God. Heal us. Teach us to see this as you see it. We bring in Jesus' name our sexuality under your lordship. Go to the broken places, loving God. We might not even know what they are, but we do know that we need you. Our lives and our bodies belong to you. Make us whole. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The hour I first believed. And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Stephanie Riggitz, Matt Riggitz, Seth Sullivan, Kristen Kelly, Lubel Cruz Gaelic, Sandra Perez, Miles of Grace Realty, Empower Fitness, and Pamela Anthony Cutright. Email us your questions at centersaintsister at gmail.com. Keep in touch on Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan and Instagram and Twitter at Allison M. Sully. And be sure to catch the mini episode for extras.